Surprise. <laughs> Obviously, if I'm up here, that means Jackie's gone. That means Jason's gone. And that means Levi's gone. And God decided to tap Don on the shoulder and say, Don. And when he said that, you know what I said? Here am I, Lord, use me. That's about all we can do on a daily basis. With that, let's open up in prayer and we'll get into this. Father God, we thank you for what you're doing in our very hearts, Lord. May revival be what starts our day. May we find ourselves on our knees before you, Lord, praising the King of Kings as we do in this song. Lord, may there be an awakening amongst our nation, amongst the world, Lord, as we draw into those last days, as, Lord, as we see evil being called good and good being called evil, Lord, may we prepare our hearts and may we be about the commands that you give us to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And may we always remember, lo, you are always with us, even till the end of the age. Lord, we pray that you are empowered with your Holy Spirit this night and that your words would be my words and that our hearing would be the words that you want us to hear. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So how many of you have a personal testimony of Jesus Christ? Everybody should be raising their hands, right? Nodding their heads, something like that, right? I hope so, because if not, we need to talk. Because that's what this is about. We gather in this church, in this building, um, because we are the church. Jesus established the church by the works that he finished up on the cross, right? It's that simple. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those guys I like to uh, involved. And so if I try to get you involved, I pray that you join with me. If you say amen, I'm not going to freak out and go, oh my gosh, did you hear him say hallelujah in church today? I'm not one of those guys that freaks out. It's okay if you get to that point. But the idea in, in this whole message tonight, we're going to be working on who Jesus is. The simplicity of the gospel is the finished work of Christ. And if we do not have that down, if we do not realize who Christ is, we find ourselves in a very tricky place, a place that day when we stand with him face to face. That's the most important thing. That's what this whole entire book is about. Is that relationship that Christ wants to have with us. With that, we're going to start out tonight in Genesis 1:1. Just for a minute, I just want to establish a simple thought. In Genesis, Genesis, we get this concept. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do we all believe that? I wonder sometimes today, because I see a lot of this social media stuff, I see a lot of this concepts, a lot of the, the world brought into the church. I see a lot of the world brought into my own thoughts, and I have to die to that daily and say, Lord, wait a second. Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So if in the beginning God created in the heavens and the earth, that is the establishing point of all things, right? If we can't get that, we might as well close the book because that's the beginning of the book. In the beginning, God there's a key word there. It's called Elohim. Later on, it says, let us create man in our image. So it's all inconclusive. First John, says, First John 5, 7 says, there are three who bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. So that, that's encompassed all in this thing right here. In the beginning, God created. Do you see that undermined every day? And everything around us, that's an absolute fact for anybody that's a Christian. Anybody that claims to have a relationship with Christ, that's an absolute. There's no variation to the left. There's no le variation to the right. My children, your children, I was taught in school that something went, which was nothing. And out of that nothing came all of this. The Big Bang Theory, right? You ever thrown a firecracker out there and seen it bang and something just go poof and there was a bird all of a sudden? Or a little planet hovering? Or a sun shining? I mean, just the thought of that is absurd, isn't it? It's absurd to think that there was somehow this happened 
It, it blows my mind thinking about that, that we as men want to deny God so badly that we got to take the first verse and rip it out of the Bible by those statements. Isn't it true? I mean, I, I, I know I'm not speaking to myself because I'm known that you guys have run into this situation over and over where we've seen these circumstances in the beginning God created. Oh, well, wait a second. Wait a second. There's this evolution thing where we were once this and some sludge got struck by lightning and this sludge became this and I see it in everything. Science tries to point. I was cleaning a fish the other night and as I was cleaning the fish, I was teaching my kid how to clean it and I was telling him this bone's called the feather bone. And it made me think, why is it called the feather bone? Well, because science wants me to believe that fish was the beginning of a bird. That's as simple as it gets. So in the beginning, God created. With that, we're going to jump over to John chapter 1, verse 1. My personal testimony of Jesus Christ still blows my mind to this very day. When I think about what he did and where he found me and how he changed my life that day, I'm blown away. 11 years old, I gave my life to Christ. I received him in a youth group. And I remember getting baptized and coming up out of the water and feeling, being filled with God, feeling the presence inside of me of God, knowing that he was with me. For years I walked with God, but there was nobody to teach me about God because my family, I'm a product of, I was telling my brother earlier, of hippies. There was a constant partaking of things in my house and it was acceptable behavior. And so acceptable behavior, if it's done around you long enough, becomes acceptable. And so there became a point in my life where I went from my mountaintop experience with God, where I talked to God while I was out hunting, walking around, there came a time in my life where the cares of the world got a hold of me. There came a time in my life where I got so caught up in the glamour of trying to be somebody like Al Capone and the Godfather, thinking that, man, I got to be that guy. I want that Hollywood appearance. Shows that, hey, look at this. I got to that point. I was involved in the Mexican Mafia. I was involved in Hell's Angels. I was involved with the Vagos. I was involved with all these crazy things that God could pull me out of there. I remember getting out of jail after being, doing a year, coming out, sitting on the curb, after knocking on door after door after door after door after door after door, family's house, grandmother's house. Grandma's supposed to love you no matter what, right? Grandma said, go away. I remember I was sitting on a curb. Man, I was broken. I was scared above all things. I was really scared because I'd been dealing with these guys for so long and I got out of jail early. I don't know if you know where I come from, what that means. I got out of jail early isn't usually a good thing when you come from that lifestyle because it usually portrays you said something or you did something. So I was scared about that. I was broken hearted because the woman I was in love with and the whole reason why I allowed myself... Well, I want to say I allowed, but God put me in jail was so he could change me. And I was afraid because I've been dealing drugs and living a life of sin and debauchery for so long that as I sat on that curb with nobody wanting to do anything for me, my thought was I was going to take myself out. I really did. I, I was to that point. I was saying, you know, what's the point to live for? My grandmother doesn't even love me. I was pretty distraught and I reached in my back pocket I don't know why I didn't put one in my have one in my pocket tonight but I don't but I had a Gideon's Bible when I pulled it out I'm like oh God what do you want I probably used a little bit more colorful language back then but I was honest with God I was in the moment where David was where smashed their teeth Lord I'm sick of the enemy coming after me deal with it and I told God I said I'm scared I'm broken hearted I'm afraid I opened up the book, in the front of the book, it says where to find help. In that lifestyle, a tattoo is a big part of it. If I was going to be a hell's angel, there'd be a hell's angel tattoo. If I was going to be a this, there's going to be that. I had a tattoo that said peaceful warrior. It said peacefulness. John fourteen twenty seven was the verse it gave me, page 200. 
And God said, My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, and neither let you be afraid. I was in awe. Those were just the words I had just said back to my God. To the God that I thought I was not worthy of being in his presence. That I was not worthy of seeking him out. I was not worthy of calling upon his name. I began a journey. I, man, one day maybe I'll write it all down and it'll be for the glory of God. But began a journey that brought me to standing before you guys tonight. I'm just as broken as any one of you. But this Jesus... This God that in the beginning created the heavens and the earth is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he's willing and able to do that work that he did in me and is doing in me a dirt ball of dirt balls. He can do in anybody's life. And that means that guy that you don't like at work. That means that neighbor that's always giving you craziness. I got one of those neighbors. He just, no matter how nice I am, he does not like me. Always yelling at my kids. Always, I, you, everybody's got one of those neighbors. And then everybody's got the biggest enemy of all. Everybody knows who that enemy is, right? It's a guy looking back in the mirror at you. That's your biggest enemy. That's why Jesus said, die to self daily, because the biggest enemy is the one. In John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who's the Word? We all know because we got the book, but in your heart, who's the Word? In your knowledge of God, who is the Word? It goes on to explain, it says, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. If you, there's a thing that goes around Facebook, and it's a little couple little boys by a tractor in the farmer field. One pie got straw in his mouth, and see, if you ain't got Jesus... You ain't got nothing. If you don't know this Jesus, that's exactly what you got is a whole lot of nothing. A whole lot of emptiness, a whole lot of doubt, a whole lot of fears, a whole lot of seeking for your needs to be filled here, your desires and wants to be fulfilled here. When we are in submission to this God, that in the beginning, everything changes. Everything changes. I testified to that fact because tonight I was sitting on my way here and this last couple of weeks I've been coming up and praying for my little brother. He's been considering committing suicide. And I can talk to him till I'm blue in the face and I can tell him about the Lord and I can love on him and be there for him through it all. But I knew it was going to take an act of God for something to change. He was in the process of divorcing his wife, selling his house. He started a big business he got caught up in it. His integrity's in question. He really wants to be the man. He wants to be the top dog. He, his, his idols are these cardones and these guys that make all this money going around talking. And he's, he's all about that, trying to do this self-help stuff. This week, a good friend of mine over in Utah that is a pastor, I asked him if he'd reach out to him. And he said, yeah, I'd be willing. And my little brother said he'd go. And I asked his wife. They were separated, and I asked her if she would go. Tonight, he, I don't know if you guys know what Marco Polo is, but it's a little app where you can talk to it, and then it sends the, your picture of your face talking, and then back, same thing. He, Marco Polo, me back tonight that he is back with his wife, that he's been meeting with the pastor with his wife, that he's been praying with his wife, that he's been reading God's word. And if you don't think that blows my mind... <laughs> If that doesn't blow your mind for a simple thing. So man, don't give up because in the beginning, God created. When God said it was going to be done, it was going to be done. When God spoke in Genesis 3 that Christ was going to come, it was going to happen. When God speaks, when Jesus said in John 14 that he's going to prepare a place and that when he comes back, he's going to come get us. You could take that, as they say, to the bank because it's going to happen, right? Do we realize that this Jesus is the guy that came down as a man and suffered temptation, fear, doubt, pain, hurt, anger. Do we realize that sometimes? I wonder if we get that part and that he was just as like I am. 
And I think I'm all alone. I was like, God, you did. You couldn't experience this. There's no way you could understand a man's struggles with pornography, a woman's struggles with a broken heart because she feels like her husband doesn't love her. How could you experience that, Lord? You weren't never there. Uh, don't we say that all the time? And we doubt our God and then try to commit. Say, God, you don't know what you're saying. You don't understand what I'm going through. Or flip the script. It's God, I wanted ice cream and you gave me rhubarb pie. Some of you might like rhubarb pie better than ice cream. I don't know. Really? Do you not do that? Don't you ever feel like you get the grandkid or the kid? In my case, I'm not quite grandkid yet. But they're like, Daddy, Daddy, I want some ice cream. And we're whining, complaining, and all day, and you said, I told you no ice cream. You didn't eat your dinner. I told you no ice cream. You didn't do, yeah, no ice cream. You didn't. And here we are, but daddy, but daddy, but daddy, you didn't give me what I want. How could you be the God that I'm supposed to worship and honor? In the beginning. You know, in the beginning, there was no time. You realize that? When we looked at Genesis 1-1, there was no time. The sun and the moon, the stars, the day hadn't been created yet. You know what God created time for? You and me. We want to put God in this nice little box and stuff him in there and bring him out on Sunday. And Amen, hallelujah, Lord. All right, we'll see you later. I gave my money, Lord. You seen that? I gave my money, so bless me now. Lord, are you seen me say, hey, amen, Lord, so bless me now, Lord. Oh, you seen me go do this and go do that, so bless me now, Lord. You ever been that way? The scales, always trying to balance scales. If I do more good than bad, maybe God's going to bless me. Why don't you just do what you do because that's what God's called you to do? Because that's what we're called to, right? We're called to be good works. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace we are saved that we may not boast because a man will boast. And in verse 10, we always forget this one. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. That's Don's paraphrase. That's not the exact verbiage. But we are supposed to be about our Father's business, doing good works. We're supposed to be out here in the community talking about this beginning, about this Jesus. We're supposed to be out here in the community loving people, no matter if they're flying a rainbow or they're Democrats. Excuse me for any of you there, because I love you too. I don't know how you can be a Christian, but oh, I didn't say that out loud, did I? I'll hear about that one from Jackie, I'm sure. But truly, we are supposed to love. I personally, I'm like Jackie, I, I do think Jackie has taught me to go and look at the other person's perspective. In the time I've spent with a pastor, we got one of the best pastors in the whole Magic Valley, in the whole nation, I'm telling you. I've sat under a lot of guys, I study with a lot of guys, I teach, I, I'm in college, I went to seminary, and our pastor knocks some things out of the park when he comes to serving God. And that constantly amazes me. So I, I, I'm greatly appreciative of Jackie, for sure. But he's taught me to challenge my belief system. Don, old John, that used to sit there right now where Noe's sitting at. John Roberts, a brother that's in the Lord, presence of the Lord. And John was ushered in as a beloved, I guarantee it. I know that man. I've seen that man's heart as a Gideon for almost 30 years, serving God and love and kindness and patience and gentleness. I know there was a celebration in heaven that day when John walked through the door. I was excited about it. He used to sit there and he goes, Don, you believe that because that's what you've always been taught. And I'm, we're talking about pre-trib, mid-trib. John happened to be a mid-trib guy and I'd always, I'm a pre-trib guy and I'd tell him I'd save him a seat and he'd laugh at me and ha, 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 ha. And the whole idea, but he goes, Don, you believe that because that's what you've always been taught. And I remember the night as he told me that in the beginning, when that first came to my mind, I remember I sat there and I go, man, that guy got me. And I have to constantly think about this for the rest of my life now. That's what I believe because I've always been taught. Jackie challenges me and says, why does the Lutheran believe why the, the way the Lutheran believes? Why does the Jehovah Witness believe the way the Jehovah Witness? Why does the Mormon believe the way they believe? Why does the Baptist say you have to be baptized? Why do these brothers and sisters and these men and women that are out there, why does the atheist believe the way they believe? You know how we find out? We become like Christ. I heard it said this this Sunday. Jesus was invited to the Pharisee's house. Where did he go? To the Pharisee's house. When Jesus was invited to the tax collector's house, where did he go? To the tax collector's house. So when we're invited, when we're called, when we're asked, where should we go? 
We should go be that example of Christ. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That is the Word. In John 1.14, it goes on and says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Another absolute. I don't need this Bible to prove that Jesus walked this earth. I got a really active conversation going on with the guy that just started working for me. And he's, he's always, oh, anybody could write anything down. And he's constantly thing, throwing these crazy, absurd arguments that they're straw men. Not, they're not even straw men. They're, they're popsicle stick guys. You know, you flick them and they're gone. I mean, they're so weak. But he's always throwing them and he justifies that it, this is not God. This is not, well, because this man wrote that down and this man. I can go and find a book that says this and that and this. And I'm like, okay. But can you find a book that is historically accurate throughout the world? And you can go look it up. The Google says it's the most historically accurate book in the world ever written to this date. Historically accurate. Archaeologically. They talk about something. What do they do? They go finding and digging and what do they find? The walls of Jericho. Where were the walls of Jericho? Everybody knows the song? They marched around, they marched around. On the seventh time they yelled out, what happened? The walls didn't fall in from somebody banging at the door like a cop knocking down the door. They fell out. You want to hear about these people that are in the Bible, we go out and dig up these things and we find them. The validity of the Bible, the absoluteness of it being fact, the, the focal point of truth is God's Word. So if God's Word is Jesus... What is our focal point? Are we focused on the American dream? Yeah, well, we got to shake our heads probably honestly. I mean, we all want a nice house, right? A nice truck that gets us to point A to point B. We want to have the camper that takes us up on the hill to hunt elk. Well, some of you guys go looking for elk. You guys don't hunt them. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'll probably come back and bite me this elk season. <laughs> Sorry, Jonathan. I was thinking of you when I said it, too. You guys go look at them. You guys never shoot anything. You got to try shooting something every once in a while in order to get... <laughs> I'm just teasing. No, the point is, what is our focus? You know that I've been involved in many ministries in this, in this thing since I moved here? God tricked me to come to Idaho. You guys really, you know, you guys have never heard that story, huh? God tricked me into coming to Idaho. I was living in Utah, had the big house, the, the five-figure income, the everything was great and wonderful. My wife was there, my kids were there, everything was going good, and God said, go to Idaho. And I wasn't really walking with God at the time. I was still living for dawn. But I heard, and I, I've, I've learned over the years to recognize the voice of God and it became very unprecedented. I'm like, nah, I'm not going to Idaho. Nothing but rocks and potatoes down there. Why in the heck I want to go to Idaho? Let's go to Idaho. I heard it again. This is why I've been divorced or separated from my wife for over a year. Just barely got back to her because God told me I was supposed to be with my wife. I'm looking at all these things and I'm trying to figure out God again. I'd come out of Mormonism, studying Mormonism, and realize that Mormons believe they can become God. And that's the biggest blasphemy there is ever possible because there's only one God and he is the God of this Bible he tricked me I came to Idaho a friend of mine lived out in Hanson I went out to Hanson my friend owns a good friend of mine owns Pillar Falls a guy named Ron Casel owns that power plant down there so I went down there and we went camping I thought it was cool. I'm like, man, this is pretty neat. Look at this big old river. And then I seen somebody catch a sturgeon. And you guys know I'm a fisherman. So I thought, holy heck, look at the size of that fish, man. Gosh, I was pretty excited about that. Then in the middle of the night, I was doing something I shouldn't have done. And this big old boat showed up. And I couldn't figure out. I'm like, gosh, this river's got to be huge. Little did I know down the road, there's a bunch of rocks for miles. But I didn't know that. God tricked me and he brought me all the way over to Hagerman the next day. When you get to Hagerman, what's the river look like? It's huge. 
So in my mind, I'm thinking all this was God. That this was all God's plan. So I thought there's a big river, big fish. Maybe I'll go to Idaho. So I moved to Idaho. Then I went over the bridge. And I looked to the right and I said, yeah. And then I looked to the left and I went, oh. God tricked me into coming to Idaho, but it changed my life. Because I began to understand who the word was. I began to understand my life had been focused on me and not about being an ambassador of Jesus Christ. I, I don't know how to explain that any better than to jump in a, a little bit farther. In, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, we're going to be back in John, but this is something that we have to take a good look at sometimes just to remember who Christ is and who he claims to be is absolutely who he says he is. Philippians chapter 2 said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. Do you ever sometimes just chew on a verse for a while and just realize, I don't care if it's one verse, it's five verses, the completeness of the gospel in every verse throughout the Bible? I know numbers is challenging. Everybody trying to read the Bible and, and, and he got and he begot and they begot and then that stuff is challenging. But when you go and look up the meaning of the names, it'll blow your mind every time. And a lot of that stuff goes around on Facebook and, 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 and you see that or on, on, I don't know, Snapchat or whatever these things are out there. It'll blow your mind. But here, Jesus Christ, the God that was there in the beginning, that spoke that is, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. The one that was, that is and is to come again. Stands before us today. And I, as I testify this to you through his word, that he became a man. Can you imagine what it had to be like to be John? To be Judas? To be Peter? To be James? What it felt like to be camping out in the middle of nowhere with Jesus, sleeping on a rock. I mean, you ever thought about that? I mean, we get the things that we need in this book because this is the information that we need. But you ever thought about that? Pondered what that must have been like? Been out in the boat and seen Jesus walking on water. Stood there as he broke the bread and fed the thousands. Ever, ever taught, took the time to think about that and just ponder it? I, I, don't, I know some of you have. I know that you, if you haven't, please do because our God is capable, able, and willing to do more than you can ever understand in your life and in my life. When he makes this claim, when this statement is made, written by Paul, when he says this, let this mind be in you, he's making a statement, let this be a fact to you. Let this be something that you hold on to, that he did not consider it robbery to come. That he came as a man, that he was broken, just like you were. He was tempted, he was tired, he was hungry, he was, what, 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 put whatever word you want to put there that you're going through right now. You don't think Jesus doubted Man, I can only imagine as he's sitting in the garden guest enemy and he's struggling through that. You know, do we miss that part where the angels come and minister to him? If he had it taken care of and he was in complete control of it in his manliness, why did he doubt? Why did he struggle? Why did he say, not my will, but your will be done, Lord? In John 3.16, which everybody knows... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Everybody knows that verse, right? Most of the world knows it. Between somebody like Tebow, writing it on his eye and sharing his faith, and then getting kicked out of the NFL because he kneels to pray, but then another guy, that's another discussion, I digress. But 
Do we, do we realize who he's saying he is when he says that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When he says God, you can put God the Father there. Anytime you see the word God put there, you can see Jesus there. Anytime you see the word God there, you can put the Spirit there because they're three as one. Just as you are, right? Mind, body, and soul. The next verse, he did not come into the world to condemn the world, but through him the world may be saved. Jesus didn't come here to tear everybody down and tell them how much of a dirtbag and how high and mighty he was and how special and above everybody else that he was. He came to serve, to love, to fellowship with the lost and the broken. I don't know why the world doesn't want to hear that, why the world doesn't want to see that. I've lost a lot of people this last year, and a lot of those people, only God knows if they went, but I did everything I was called to do. I told them about Jesus. I prayed for them on a regular basis. I told them about Jesus. I prayed for them. I told them about Jesus, and I prayed for them, and I told them about Jesus, and I prayed for them. If you got somebody in your family, somebody you know that doesn't know Jesus, tell them about Jesus. Pray for them. Somebody was praying for me. I don't know who it was. Maybe it was my LDS grandma. Somebody was praying for me because some things changed big time when I went, went through all this. But he gets into this thing and, and he keeps hitting us in the mouth for us. Who is Jesus? In John eight fifty eight, Jesus makes a huge statement as he's dealing with the religious people of the day. And, and, he's, and he's talking to them and they're, they're questioning him, they're challenging him and he, he keeps rebuking him, he keeps putting him in a place. He keeps saying, boom, boom, boom. And he says, before, most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham, I am. Where's that statement come from? Anybody know where the I am was first mentioned? The burning bush, right? When the burning bush is, says, who do I say that you are? Moses says, who do I go tell these people that you're calling as your chosen people to be their God? Who do I say? What do these guys do? What's the next part in the next verse? They picked up stones. Then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. Why did they pick up stones? Because he proclaimed who he was as being God that he was there when it was in the beginning that in the beginning he was there and today he wants to be your beginning today it is his desire to start a new beginning in your life when we receive Christ we become new creations when we receive Christ we can't get comfortable we do that, don't we? We get comfortable, we get in our routines, we show up to church and we're like, yeah, man, that was a good song. And the brother played some great worship tonight. I mean, I love I loved seeing God use the worship team because worship is a big way God deals with me. The big way that God breaks me and reminds me of who he is is through worship. If you're going through something, put on some Jesus music. Something's going to speak to you. If you're going through something, if it's not Jesus, pick up your Bible and start reading and let God speak to you. God is right there and willing. Are you going through something? Before you do all those things, pray. Because, man, God is wanting to have a conversation with you. I, I, I don't know how else to challenge. I think people probably think I'm probably partially insane because I go through the day and, I, and people hear me talking out loud sometimes and I'm having this conversation with God. I feel like that dude in, um, what is it, um, oh, Braveheart, the Irish guy. Oh, my God's going to take care of it. You just wait. I own Ireland and all this concept. He's always having these crazy conversations. That's how I talk to my God on a daily basis. I'll be right in the middle of something, just struggling, going, oh, man, Lord, I blew it right there. Forgive me for that. Man, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't even know how to talk to this guy. I'd rather punch this guy than talk to him. So you're going to have to do something. Either tell me to walk away or help me have the words to speak to him. I'm broken. My God's not. John 10.30 is the next verse that goes on to get this in the thing. In, the, in context, it starts in verse 25. And Jesus answered them, said, I told you 
and you not, do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, now shall, nor shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Do you, guys, do you get that? When we grab those things, when we're hearing those things, when Jesus is speaking like that, he's speaking plainly right here. It's not a parable. That you got to try to figure out what he's saying. What does he mean when, when Jason's spreading in the seed? What does he mean when he's doing this? What does he mean when he's talking about that? What is he trying to say? Do you, hear, do you have ears to hear? Do you have eyes to see? No, Jesus is speaking plainly. Do you not realize I am who I am yet? Do you not get that I am the beginning? Do you not begin, get that I am the end? Do you not get that he is the middle? We have to grasp that. We can argue all day about pre-trib and mid-trib. We can discuss that. We can dig it out. We can get into the etymology of the Greek, the Aramaic, the Hebrew. We can break it down and we can present our arguments and we can bicker and we can fight and you're wrong and I'm right. But in the end doesn't matter because when we stand before Jesus Christ what is going to matter Jesus is going to ask one simple question who am I to you who am I to you the good works that we did in his name they become crowns right Bible says and those that aren't good works they're going to be burnt up they're going to become chaff John 12, 31 and 32. Starts with 30, excuse me. Jesus answered and said, The voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all my people to myself. Are we his people? Are we about our father's business? Are we doing the things he's called us to? Maybe some of you could get up here and sing. Are you like, nah, I'm afraid I can't get up in front of people. Maybe you can get up, some of you can get up here and preach this message better than I could. Maybe you have a bigger impact. Maybe you're one of those people that is the prayer warrior that gets down on his knees and, or her knees and prays daily for the lost and the broken, for our president, for our nation, for the children that are put on the arms of Malik every day through abortion. Maybe you're called to teach the kids. Maybe you're called to go on a mission. I, I, all I know is I keep trying them all. Eventually, one of them is going to stick. That's where I'm at. I've been on missions to Florida with my family. I load up my family three, four different times in the last five years. So since I've lived in Idaho, and we've went one and into this nation and back, and feeding the homeless, preaching the gospel, stopped somewhere in a park, stopped somewhere in a campground, set up a big screen, made a big pot of something, and fed people and told them about Jesus. I served at the River Christian Fellowship. I served at Calvary Buell. I started over serving over in Gooding. I want to serve here. Not because I want me to be something. Because I'm nothing. I'm absolutely nothing without Christ. But because I want to see Christ and His finished work accomplished upon this earth. I want to hear Him say, Alright, that's enough. Let's go. And we all get to go and get out of here. I look forward to that day. I do not fear death in any way. And I hope you don't. Yeah, cancer may come, this may come, that may come. I can get in a car accident tomorrow. Something crazy can happen tonight on my way home. I heard a crazy story. A guy was driving down the road in his four-wheeler going from his pivot along the corner. Dang, deer, deer jumped out, smacked the guy, and it killed the guy. That was right here. 
You do not know the hour or the day when God is going to call you. Are you ready? Have you been established with this beginning? In the beginning, have you received this beginning, which is the Word? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, not just in talk, but in actions? That's the most important thing that is established tonight. If you get nothing out of that, I don't know where, how well across this is coming across and how well I'm conveying it because it's not my desire. But my desire is for you to get about your father's business, for you to get up off the seat, for you to get bold and talk to the guy like the guy at the dang tire store did today and started talking about how great Jesus was. I want to see that happen because you know how many ears were around there? There's 10 people in there. If somebody went home and thought about Jesus today, that dude was doing exactly what he was called to do. That excites me. That gets me excited. I've watched marriages in this church struggle. I've watched families be broken apart. I've watched people be healed. I've watched little children get baptized in the body of Christ. I've seen God do amazing things. I watched a dead man rise in California. I've seen God heal a man of cancer, and then take him the very next year. I can't explain all those things to you, why God does what he does, because God's ways are higher than my ways. But what I can tell you is he's proclaiming right here who he is in this book, what he's about, and what he's called you to do. Not just Jackie, not just Jason, not just Levi, not those out here that are actively serving, because that's what mostly you are on Wednesday night, most of you guys are actively plugged in in the body of Christ. So I, I, I was extra anxious when I had, I'm like, oh man, Wednesday night? It's one thing when there's a hundred people in here and I can just kind of fade everybody out. But I got to look at Corey, I got to see Rick, I got to see all these people and think about those things. And then I got to think about, it's not about Rick, it's not about Corey, it's not about Jonathan, it's not about Don, it's about Jesus. It's, a, it's all about Jesus. It always has, always is, and always will be. And if I'm raising my voice and it sounds like I'm yelling at you, I'm sorry, because I'm excited that it's about Jesus. I'm excited that it goes on. In the, in the ministry that I serve in right now in Twin Falls, somehow I put a card on the door last summer. Some guy told me about it. I drove by and I thought, ah, I'll throw a card on the door. There was nobody there. Somehow I become the president of the dang thing. Somehow I'm leading the ministry for God out of the place. Somehow that we're being able to feed. God is providing on a daily basis. Right now we get, the other night the Golden Girls came, we fed 52 people. And got to tell them about Jesus. Got to love on them, got to sit down. Some of these people are just like you and me. Some of these people are, are caught up in their choices. Every day they're smashed drunk. But every day that they're alive and they're breathing, there's hope in this concept. So, what man says, we're going to go to Acts chapter 5 about Jesus. It's pretty simple. The context of it, we're going to be reading verses 34 to 39, but the context is, of, is, this, is that Peter and the apostles are on trial again. They've been brought before the Sanhedrin. They're being questioned about this Jesus. They're being smacked around. They've been beaten. They've been jailed. And they're getting told, don't you go pray, teach this about this Jesus anymore. Don't you go talk about this Jesus anymore. And, and it says in verse 33, when they heard the things that they were saying, we're going to obey God rather than you, and we're going to tell people about Jesus and his finished work on the cross, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, they were upset just like they were with Jesus. And they, in verse 33, it says, When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Verse 34, Then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people, and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. So here's this guy that taught Paul, by the way, in case you didn't know that. He was Paul's teacher that people respected and looked up to. He stands up in the Sanhedrin and says, wait a second, hear what I got to say. Let me speak for a second about these guys before we just go crazy and start killing everybody because we're going to find a reason to kill everybody. There's always going to be a reason, kind of like what Kavanaugh is going through right now. Somebody can say anything about me and about you and then make it up and if you get enough people to go along with it, it's going to be believed to some level. 
It's going to be cause craziness. And then our whole justice system gets torn apart because you're presumed innocent until proven guilty, right? Not anymore today. You're guilty until you can prove yourself innocent. And so here's the same situation. They're guilty by the, the Pharisees. They're, you're guilty. And he says to them in verse 35, he said to them, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Theodos rose up claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400 men, joined him. He was slain and all who obeyed him were scattered and it came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this is a plan, for if this plan or this work is of men, it'll come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. That's what man thinks about Jesus. If this thing's of God, this guy, this guy's gotten his tension. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Gamaliel, Gamaliel, however you want to say him, his name. I won't be surprised if we see him in heaven. I think his statement right here shows that he was really considering these things that Christ did. He was taking a really good look. And I bet he probably had some impact on, from Paul in his life. But he makes a statement and man says, well, if this, is, if this Jesus was just a regular old guy, it's going to come to nothing. So don't, don't sweat it. Don't worry about it. Don't get all worked up about it. Don't get all anxious about it. But if not, but if not, then there's nothing you can do about it. You ever have that moment in your life? You want something to stop. You want something to be changed. You want somebody not to pass away. You want somebody to get healed. You want something to happen. You want that new car. You want to name it and proclaim it and and see God manifest it right before you. You ever been there? Every one of us has been there. If you're not, you're a liar and you need to repent. Because I've been there over and over and over in my life where I wanted something right now and I wanted it my way. I wanted God to do it my way. I want the ice cream right now, Dad. Not because I didn't eat dinner. I want it because I want it. And you're going to give it to me. And have you ever went out and tried to get it? In your own might? Over and over and over and over? And it never was enough? I lived that life for years. I still find myself wallowing that pit from time to time where I try to do things in my own might. Even though I know I serve a God that's capable of doing all things that knows what's best for me, that has a plan for me, and if I would just trust in Him, there'll be fruit. There'll be satisfaction. There'll be love, patience, kindness, gentleness, all those things. He, he says these things and He gets in it. But when we looked at John 12 just now, the, the voice of God was in that cart and it was, it was talking... Up on the mountain, Peter hears the voice. When he's at baptism, we hear the voice of God. When Paul is on the road to Damascus, we hear the voice of God. God the Father speaks and says, This is my son. This is my beloved. This is the one. The way, the truth, and the life. He, he hammers it home and makes it very, very clear. Every one of you have had that experience. If you're a Christian today, you've had the Holy Spirit fall upon you. And you said, this word that you're hearing today, this Jesus that you're hearing about, is legit. He's the real thing. He's an absolute. There's no variation in Christ. Christ wasn't Christ the Old Testament, and then he was Christ the New Testament, and then he's Christ his returning. Jesus is, like I said earlier, the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Jesus showed up to Abraham. Jesus spoke to Moses. Jesus wrestled with Jacob. Jesus is wrestling with us today. If we're not walking with the calling upon our life and living out that calling, we feel like we're swimming with weights. 
We're struggling, trying to figure out how to get things, how to do things, how to make things. We're, we're worried, we're anxious, we're constantly fear of what happens tomorrow, what's tomorrow going to bring. You ever live that way? I, lived, I know that's going to happen anymore. I know tomorrow something's going to happen that I'm not going to like. You live that, does it happen to you or am I the only one here? There's always something that goes wrong. It'll be a dang flat tire when I didn't want a flat tire. The kid will get in trouble. The, the dog will run away and I got to stop when I wanted to watch the football game and I got to go chase the dog. Whatever. I mean, something always is going to happen. But how I ha- react to that is what matters. And I say that because how I react to what Christ is calling me to do and calling me to be is what matters. Not what they think. Not what he thinks or she thinks. But what Christ is calling me to be is what matters. What Christ is calling me to do is what matters. I mean, you're not sure about that, man. I, I encourage you to get in on your face and get to praying about it and ask God. If you think, man, you know what God's saying? I want to be a musician, but I don't even know how to play the guitar. Let's get you a guitar. I can't sing. If you guys want to sing and sing loud, come sing ne- sit next to me because I sing loud. I make a joyous noise, and it's exactly that. It's not joyous for you. It's meant to be joyous for the Lord. So if you're afraid of singing and want to worship, come stand next to me. We're good. If you need me to come stand next to you, tap me on the shoulder, and we'll sing loud together. We'll make a joyous noise. God put these men and women that stand this age at graces with their gifts for a reason. I'm not that reason. I'm there just to worship God, and I find that worship. But I get excited about this. In Matthew 7, 22, I want to jump over Acts tells us this is what man, and if it's going to be covenant man, this is what's going to happen. In Matthew, Jesus throws a right cross that will knock anybody out. Starts out in verse 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. In the garden, Jesus said what? After he cried out, after he said, if there's any way you can take this cup from me, Lord, please do. And then what did he say? Not my will, but thy will be done. Man, I'm guilty, and I'll I'll be the first to admit it. I don't always have those words coming, rolling out of my mouth when I'm like, yeah, God, I want that big elk this year. I might have blown it earlier with that. No, I'm just kidding. I hope not. God's going to do what God's going to do, right? God's going to put situations and opportunities in my path. But he says, if we're lined up with the will of God, if we're doing what he's called us to do. How many of you feel like that in this room today, you're doing what he's called you to do? Show of hands. Yeah, sometimes a little bit, you're, you're wondering. Okay, I appreciate your honesty. How, how many of you feel like you're not sure what God wants you to do? I mean, yeah, you better get some hands up there too, right? But let me tell you where your first ministry is at. You know what your first ministry is? We talk about it in this church and this body of Christ all the time. Your first ministry is to your household. Amen? You guys get excited about that? First ministry is to my wife, to my sons. Yeah, God's told me to leave my wife, to leave my son and go out and serve, but he didn't say leave him homeless. He didn't say to leave him we're looking for a place to live and we're looking for some food in their bellies. He said to be about my father's business, provide for my family. And he made a way that I may provide. That's your first ministry. That's where it starts. He gets in here and he hits us with this whole thing. Though He says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? You guys ever think about Judas? Was Judas laying hands on the sick? Yeah. When he came back with just the same as they then, Lord, in your name, we laid hands on the sick and the dying and the lame and could walk and the, and the mute could talk in your name. I wonder how many people come into church and they're raising their hands and they're putting money in the, in the basket as they go around paying their tithe. You guys know tithe? You guys realize I had to wrestle with this for years. I always thought tithe, I pay somebody's rent. I do this, I do that, because I think those are things for the longest time. Tithe is a thing of the heart. Malachi 3.10 challenges us. God says, test me in this. The only time in the whole Bible that God says, test me in this, is paying tithe. He says, test me in this. Give. 
and see that I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you. Given here is not to make sure the lights stay on, not to make sure Jackie gets a nice Harley, it's not to make sure this happens or that happens. You know what it's for? It's for you. I forget that sometimes. I get caught up. Anything else besides that is an offering, is a gift that you're giving. It goes on, I digress, but I wanted to make sure that's clear. It took me a long time to get there. And I'll I'll challenge you to find out for yourself. Start giving what God gives you from a joyous heart and give it and watch God bless it. Watch God bless it. God will bring things, do things, and change things. That doesn't mean God's going to go, okay, you've been paying your 10%. Let me give you that Ferrari you've always wanted. That's not the idea. The idea is the heart changes. You start seeing where God can use you. You start understanding. You start hearing God's more voice more clearly. He says here, those says, just because you raised your hand in church and said, hallelujah, amen, and you sing loud with a joyous noise, or you put some money in the pot, or, or you gave somebody a cold water, or, or you fed some homeless people. Your name and done many wonders in your name. And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And if you're struggling in sin tonight, if there's something you're wrestling with, I don't, I don't care what it is. It could be this extreme. Man puts sin on the scale. God looks down and sees sin all equal. It doesn't matter if you're a liar, a murderer, a thief, an adulteress or whatever. God sees sin all equal. God isn't going, oh, that guy's gay. Oh, he's way worse than this liar over here. Oh, this guy is this or that. God's not doing that. You guys get that? We understand that, man. That's what Jesus was about when he was hanging out with the sinners, the prostitutes, the, the tax collectors. I mean, what's worse than a tax collector? I mean, gosh, how many of you are going to hang out with your IRS agent? <laughs> There'd be, have to be some transparency in that friendship, huh? Just to be on the safe side. But the truth is, he comes out and he says, but you, you never knew me. And he hits us that with, that's the biggest thing. I test myself in everything, every day. Am I doing this for Don's glory? Because don't get me wrong. I do it that sometimes. I do it to get recognition. I find myself trying to get some, that a boys, come on. Oh, look at this big, oh, good, yeah, oh, look at it. It's not what God's about. God's about you having a personal relationship with Him. He's about you, like you talk to your husband when you're snuggling, laying, or when you're out on the road, or, or to your daughter and your children. That, that emotion, that, that feeling, that power is in that relationship. That's what God's seeking for. He wants that communion with you. He wants that communion. Community and union. He wants that community and union with you in such a way that you understand who He is. That when He says, hey, don't go that way. You know not to go that way. When he says, hey, turn left. Hey, over here to the right. Jesus declares, my sheep know my voice. Are you a bunch of dumb sheep? I am. (laughs) I'm a dumb sheep sometimes. But I also know the voice of God. He goes on to finish with this concept. In Revelations chapter 1, verse 5 and 8. Who God says Christ is. Or who Christ in his own revelation says he is. We start out in chapter 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So that lets you know who is speaking, right, and who is about and what we're talking about, which God gave him to show his servants through which must shortly take place, and he sent and signified it. In verse 5, we start. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us, from our sins in his own blood, and he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. Jesus states, I am the Alpha the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Have you any doubt on that? Go check it out in Daniel. 
If there's any doubt on that, go look it up in Habakkuk. If there's any doubt on that, go over to the book of Jude. If there's any doubt in that, go read any one of those books. You're going to find this proclaimed on every page who Christ is, who he says he is. And what he says he's going to do, there was all these prophecies for years and years and years that it was going to happen. That's what rocked my world in the end. I can prove Jesus lived. I can dig up the stuff. I can say historically this guy wrote about it. What made me stand fast with Jesus is the prophecy of God. God telling history before it happens. There's no book out there in any way in any way that makes those claims. Yeah, Nostradamus, he says a bunch of mismatched stuff and, and tries to get it. Maybe some divination, we see that. And, and when Paul writes, we see that there's ladies with divination that could tell the future and this and that. But God says exactly what's going to happen and then calls it to happen through one man, through one Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus ends this book in Revelations 22.13 with this very simple concept. And this is the one I, I, in all my discussions, when I get on these pay, Facebook pages and thus discuss Lutheran with Baptists, and, and if I'm once saved and always saved, Armenianism and Calvinism, is how all these different things, I always finish my discussion with, I'll see you in heaven, brother. If that's what I feel the Lord is talking about this man, I say that because it's simple. He may think that it's once saved, always saved. I don't believe that. I believe you can walk away from Christ. I know because I've done it. I've walked away for a long time. If I would have died in my sins, I would have went to hell. I know that without an absolute doubt. You may believe different, and that's okay for you to believe different. I don't have a problem with that. But I know where I was at. But I know that I could walk away. But Jesus finishes off and he says, verse 12, it says, Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me. What is that reward? Anybody know? Come on. You guys learned this in, in church. Eternal life. That's the reward. To give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outsides are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the adulterers, and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride says, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. And whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. There is nothing that you can do to earn your way to heaven. Absolutely nothing. You know that, right? Everybody knows that, right? And we don't. Man, we need to talk about that because there's absolutely nothing you can do to earn way to heaven. There's one absolute, and that's receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you haven't received Jesus Christ, or there's somebody that you love that hasn't received Jesus Christ, like I told you about my brother, I don't know that he has yet. He thinks he has a knowledge of God. He has an understanding of God, but he doesn't have a... a, a None of us have a completeness of it, but he hasn't received Jesus Christ as, as Jesus Christ declares himself to be. So every day I think about that and I pray about that. Test yourself. Work out your salvation. Not your husbands, not your wives, not your children's. Your salvation is yours. Your relationship with Christ is yours. And that's the most important, but also the greatest gift that has ever been given to mankind. We think America's great. We think freedom's great. How about eternity? How about being in the presence of the one that caused it all and made it all happen? Amen? So I hope that gets a point across that it's all about Jesus, because that's what it's all about. You guys will pray with me. 
Father God, I pray that you would just remind us and empower us with that thought as we go through our daily life, that as we go through the cares of this world, Lord, that we would cast all our cares on you, trust in you, the author and finisher of our faith, that you would give us that peace that you say in John 14, 27. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled and neither let you be afraid. Let us men of God be the men of God you called us to be, the women of God to be the women of God. May we be the families of God that will represent you to this lost and broken world. May we not find ourselves arguing and, and tearing down, but may we find ourselves in your power, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, loving and lifting up. We pray that you go before us in all that we say and do, and we give it all to you, Lord, because it's all yours anyway. In Jesus' name, amen. The spirit of the king Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice Let all the earth rejoice He wraps himself in light Darkness tries to and trembles at his voice And trembles at his voice How great is our God Sing with me How great is our God And all will see How great, how great Time is in his end, beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The God at three in one, Father, Spirit, and Son, the Lion and the Lamb, Lion and the Lamb. How great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. You're the name above all. of all praise in my heart will sing how great is our God how great is our God sing with me how great is our no will see how great, how great is our God. Thank you so much, Father, for this message that you have laid on Don's heart. We just pray. Father, for the rest of this week, Father, I pray that we can all take this message home, that we will use it in every way possible. Thank you so much for this opportunity to gather tonight.